Hey friends, welcome to Wild Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Ainsley B. During our time together, we're going to hear some incredible stories on how to find, keep, and share your wild confidence in Christ. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to ask if you would kindly leave a five-star review and share this episode with a friend who might like it. I'd also love to connect with you on social media, so find me at Ainsley B on Instagram. All right, let's hop in. Carlos Whitaker is a People's Choice Award winner, a former recording artist signed to a major label, a social media maven, and currently spends the majority of his time writing books and speaking on stages around the world. I cannot wait for you to hear him. Let's just hop right in. All righty. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Carlos. I'm so excited about this conversation. I think it's incredibly necessary and um, about time as far as uh, me having it. So I just appreciate you and your time so much today. Well, thank you for for trusting me to have the conversation first. I I definitely love to have these conversations, but I also know how um, how risky, to be honest with you, it is to have these conversations because there's such a plethora of opinions and there's such a plethora of feelings and all feelings are valid. Opinions may not be, but feelings are. And so like, you know, (laughs) for someone like you to be able to lean into this conversation, I think is, uh, is really important. So thank you for having it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that we have so many awesome mutual friends. Um, we're both friends with the Dickerson's and Annie Downs. (laughs) Yes. Annie Downs. Okay, so I have been following you for a long time, and um, I mean, just always learning from you for sure for years. But recently, you have lit a fire under my butt when it comes to. <laughs> Can you say up. butt again? Because <laughs> that, that was that was so Louisiana. Because <laughs> I, I sounded like a cage, and they said like, "Yeah, oh, that was good." The butt. <laughs> the butt. I love it. That's so true. That's yeah. Uh, But you have, you've lit just this fire in me when it comes to standing up for things I believe in, being more vocal about it, and being a better ally in the fight against uh, racism and racial injustice. Um, You know, I think that you have really boldly and graciously welcomed people into this conversation. So, first, since it's Black History Month and we want to, I want to do the right thing. I want to celebrate the right way. Yeah. What are some ways that you think we could celebrate and honor um, our black brothers and sisters? Yeah. Gosh, you know, um, I'm actually, um, I'm actually pulling up something as you asked that, because I was just actually doing, I'm doing a video that I'm going to launch tomorrow about how to specifically be an ally. I I touched Mm. on it. I think I touched on it on um, Martin, Martin Luther King, King Jr. Jr. Yeah, where I was like, you know, th- you got to be an ally. This, uh, and I may have said one or two things, but I was like, you know, what? I think I need to give this conversation a little bit more um, girth. And I, I, so I'm, gl- I'm glad you asked the question. I um, so I'm I'm trying to come up with a checklist, okay, mm-hmm. on like like how to be a, a good ally, you know. And so there's some questions that I think you have to ask yourself, um, and you can, you know you can rank yourself from zero is never one sometimes all the way to five or all the way to four, like all the time. Right. And so like some really important questions to ask yourself on like, you know, how can I be an ally to my black brothers and sisters when it comes to fighting 
the injustice of racism and, you know, not just black brothers and sisters. I mean, this week we've had, you know, the Asian American um, minority group in America has like seen an uptick in hate crimes yeah. over the last seven days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just racism, obviously it affects more black people in America than anyone else, but it affects everybody. And so as a white person, you know, um, start asking yourself some of these questions, right? Here's one. Um, something I ask myself is something you should ask yourself is, do I have any black friends that I can laugh with? Okay. These are, mm-hmm. these are just like simple things to ask yourself. Do I, do I have any black friends like that? I have a joking relationship with individual people of color. Um, ask yourself this, I can vent with and be present for people of color when they need to vent for fee- with feelings of racism. That's a, that's a huge one. Um, to ask yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I debate issues with people of color and take their ideas seriously. Mm. It's another great question to ask yourself. Um, like here, here's, here's one when it comes to uh, like anti-racism, like are you continuing to educate yourself about what it means to be an anti-racist? Mm. Um, there's another good question. I'm trying to find some of these questions that I had here. Uh, I mean, here's another one is like, have you ever served underneath a person of color in in any way? You know, and I'm not talking about just at work. I'm talking about if you have never had to take um, a word from a person of color and do it because they are an authority over you. I I challenge my white friends to find a situation where that is going to be a regular occurrence, whether that be finding a volunteer organization, whether that be going to like the lo- your local, you know, Pee Wee League football, finding a black coach and being the assistant coach. For so many of my white friends, they have never in any way, shape or form had to sit under the authority of a person of color. And they, they're all fine and dandy. They're like, well, go to the Black Lives Matter protests. They'll do all these things, but all that's fine and all that's great. But like, when's the, when, when are you actually gonna like take that next step? And I feel like some of these questions I'm asking are those next steps for people. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of my white friends that, you know, they, they've, they've gotten, they've, they're down with going to a protest. They're down with marching with the sign. They're down with putting up a black square on their Instagram. They're down with like, you know, and, and I don't want to take anything away from that. That was risky for them. You know, let's be honest. Like that was risky, but like not as risky as it is for me being a black guy to just leave my house. Like, like you, you're just, you've got a lot more opportunities to return home than I do. So since that's the case, you just have to start asking yourself a lot harder questions. Like, you know, you're good saying Black Lives Matter, but are you good with like going as far as like some of the the, the systemic changes that we're seeing that need to change? It's like, oh, that makes me really uncomfortable. How uncomfortable are you getting? So I can't even necessarily remember the question you asked me, but but these are, <laughs> this is the direction I've kind of ended up going with, you know, <laughs> with, with this, because I just feel like in order to be a good ally, uh, you've got to start, you've got to, if you feel good about being an ally, I would say that you're probably not being a strong enough ally. If you're feeling comfortable about being an ally, I would say you're not being uh, uncomfortable enough. And you've got to keep pushing yourself one step further. Okay, I'm comfortable now. What's the next step I can take? Yeah, that's good. And and I like that you're explaining practical steps. I like yeah. the, what you're saying are action-oriented um, which is one of the things that you did say on uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day was about like 
after you post, it's, it's the, after you post, this is what you can do. This is what you can do behind the scenes that isn't public, right? Like you can put up, if you, if you're just putting up that quote for, to, to show everyone, like, look, I'm celebrating. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. You've got to go the extra step and those practical, practical tips that you are talking about are really helpful. And I'm, I mean, obviously going to self-evaluate the whole time that we're <laughs> in this conversation. <laughs> um, and one of the things that I signed up for as just like an education resource, which yeah. um, has been incredibly um, helpful is 28 days of black history emails. And you can yeah. find those at antiracismdaily.com. Oh, that's cool. It's really cool. They send, um, I got one. I don't remember the name of the group, but it was just like, this is a group of all black photographers that started a movement in New York. And, uh, do you even know about them? Like, yeah, I didn't. So I just think that was really cool. And it just gives you, it's an easy thing that you can do to reach for a resource for an education. The thing is that the resources are out there. Um, you have been an incredible resource. Um, so I love that. I love the yeah, practical, practical steps. Now, Anna, like that, that applies to like every day. Yeah. Not just this month, right? Sure. Not, not just Black History Month, but I want to know if you have ever thought like, there's one question that white people aren't asking enough. Mm. And I'm wondering yeah. if you, is there one that pops in your mind whenever I say that? Yeah. Um, Probably the question that white people aren't asking enough is where is their racism still inside my heart? Like that, that's the thing, because mm. I, I would say that, that even, even the most, uh, I, it takes what I said before and puts some practicality behind it. Even the most viable ally that we have, there's still going to be something that makes them uncomfortable about uh, really supporting a movement um, to see, you know, this like racial injustice come to an end. And you just have to keep on purpose pushing yourself to ask yourself those questions. Like, what is it? Like, what what are the biases that still exist inside of me and how can I break them? Um, so that that I think that's the question is like where, you know, and this is something that you can ask yourself your listeners can ask yourself. You don't have to answer this in front of everybody, anybody. You don't have to answer this you know, this isn't something you have to put on social media, but every single day, you know, um, I mean, even today I had a conversation with a friend of mine who, um, who, well, this is the same guy who I put an Instagram post up right after kind of the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol where he's like this kind of Trumper dude. And he's one of my best friends. And he, he texted me and he said, I, I, I can't remember exactly what he said. He's something like, I see it now, or I finally understand or mm-hmm. something like that. And that was just, Another point, he loves me. He loves his black brothers and sisters. He like, he probably to a fault lifts us up higher than he, than, than he thinks of himself. Like he is a great human being, but he, but he still had more to see. Right. And so, and still had more to uncover. Um, and I just think that's the work that, that needs to happen. That's the question that needs to be asked every single day is what, what in me about my um, biasness, maybe it's, it's nothing that you think that's at the top of your head, but what about the way I act, the way I feel still has racism embedded inside of it. And, you know, if you're honest, you're, you probably can find something um, 
weekly, if not daily, that you can put an end to. Right. Well, and even just like your everyday life, like when you walk into a gas station convenience store, a black guy walks in after you, how do you feel? How do you feel? Exactly. What what goes through your mind? And, and, and what I would like to say is that, you know, to let anybody that, that doesn't want to think about that, because again, you don't want to think about that because you don't want to like, you don't want to, you don't want to admit, you don't want to admit it. Right. But here's the thing, like the feeling's not wrong. Okay. The feeling that you get isn't wrong. Um, the reason why I say that is because if, if your feeling is, is your feeling, it's valid. If you feel fear because a big black guy walks in at a convenience store at 1130 at night behind you, um, that feeling was taught to you. That feeling was, there were reasons. Yeah. So what you have to do is like, is acknowledge the feeling and then work backwards to, uh, disassemble that feeling, you know? And so mm-hmm. that's going to take work. What that probably means you need to be friends with more large black dudes that go into gas stations at 1130. Yeah. Like that's, there, there it is. You, you walk backwards, you, you, yeah. you move it backwards. And then the, the faster you can go backwards from that feeling, the more accelerated that healing is going to get. Absolutely. Okay. So also I was recently volunteering at a high school retreat. Um, uh-huh. and I used to lead, a very diverse group of students. And we were talking a lot about racial injustice and their frustration and their heartbreak is so apparent. Like, I mean, I literally, I would talk to them and I'd run to the bathroom and start bawling crying because they weren't crying talking to me, but I could just like, I, I, I don't know. I could feel the gravity. Yeah. Of what they were saying. And it pained me that I couldn't ever fully understand yeah. what their experience was like. You know, yeah. one of them is like, um, he, I just remember whenever, uh, the George Floyd, um, death happened that I, you know, checked on them. I'm like, Hey, are you okay? What's going on with you? And one, the, one of the guys, we were just having a, a conversation. I was like, I can't imagine like when you get pulled over, you yeah. you're fearing for your life. Yeah. When I get pulled over, I'm like, oh, like does does he want my number? Yep. Yep. You know, it's yep. like the 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 insane difference of things that go through each of our minds is oh, yeah. is, uh, I mean, unspeakable. So I'm thinking about you know whenever I'm leading them. And I, I don't feel equipped to lead them because honestly, I wish there was a black person leading them. Sure. So how can I, or leaders in general, support our students or just anyone younger than us, anyone that we might be mentoring, anyone that looks up to us, because I'll tell you that the approach that I took was just listening and yep and asking questions and listening and asking questions and listening, ask questions, but that's only one person and they need, they want to be heard by all of their, the, their white peers around them. So I'd like to give them a megaphone, but not at the expense of the relationships around them. Yep. So what can we leaders do? Yeah. You know, the, I, I think, I think you answered it. You, you listening has to be, it has to be the first thing. Most people, listen we with the intent to reply as mm. opposed to listening with the intent to understand and that that's just such a massive difference so like as leaders stop listening 
with the in, your intention being to come up with a reply because that means you're not listening. That means you listen to, you find the, the pain point and then you start to formulate your, well, let me help you. I mean, dude, if there's one thing that I know that white leaders love to do, you know, is study leadership and study, you know, like all these books on leadership and all these, yeah. da, 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 and I'm like, listen, like, we don't need any more leadership principles. Like we need you, the most leadership thing you can do is listen with the intent to understand as opposed to listening with the intent to reply. So yeah. I think that's a, that's a huge thing. And I, I mean, you know, I love that you, um, um, that you see and you understand that when you get pulled over, it's just different. You know, and I, I think that stating that to them, you know, is, and that could even, you know, break the ice. You know, I, I had, um, I heard a, a white friend once say that, you know, it's, it's funny, Carlos, that like, like for all my, my white friends, when I was a kid, like we would actually have, like, my parents would call the cops so that I could go on a ride along with them. Like, a, can you imagine how crazy that sounds to a black kid? Like, like you call a cop and, and you can go on a ride along because like, what other opportunity would a white person ever have? What a white kid ever have to do that? You know, oh in high school. Gosh. And I, I remember my white high school friends, they were like, yeah, I went on a ride along with the cop last night. You know, we went to like, you know, I got to see how they did their job. And I'm sitting here going like, you actually called the police department and asked him to come to your house to get you so that you can sit in his car. Because again, what other opportunity are you going to have to do that? Right. So like those kind of things are the things I'm wow. talking about, the mind blowing differences in, I don't know a whole lot of black kids that, you know, call the cops to come over to the house so they can take them on a ride along. Right. So it's just, uh, um, just knowing and understanding privilege um, and saying it out loud, just saying it out loud. Don't just, again, don't just listen and understand but then say the things, say the things that make you uncomfortable, say the things that, because when, when there's, if you're a white leader and you're listening to this and you hear something that makes you uncomfortable because you are listening to understand, say that it makes you uncomfortable. Like say mm -hmm. that out loud. Like don't try to hide. Again, man, the more you hear me talk about this, the more you realize that I feel like healing is going to come and empathy is going to come. The more vocal we can get with our misunderstandings, the more vocal we can get with I don't get it. Like I, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about that. All that stuff accelerates healing. All that stuff yeah. uh, really helps that helps the case. So, um, you know, I, th I think it goes back again to where, what you said, listening, but again, not listening for the sake of replying, but for understanding. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about um, my friend Jazz. She is my like go-to friend to be like, can you tell me if this is ignorant or not? Can you tell me like, if I'm an idiot, can you just yeah. tell me what, what, can you tell me if my privilege is showing in this? Like, that's what I, I kind of go to go. her for. And, and I'm thinking about like, so obviously um, this racial injustice has been a, a huge conversation, which I'm so excited about that it's, that it's even happening. And I'm thinking about the different people that I reached out to. Um, I'm thinking about the girls there. There were two girls that I'm, that are coming to mind from my high school. And okay. one of them, um, was one of my really good friends. The other one, um, I cheated off in history class and I, I'm always thinking <laughs> of her, <laughs> but I, I reached out to her yeah. And I was like, Hey, I just want you to know, I'm thinking about you. Like, please let me know if there's anything I can do. If you need a listening ear, blah, 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 you know, whatever she yeah. responds with like, thank you so much. Um, you know, thank you for thinking about me, blah, 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 all this stuff. Then the other one who, um, I know was hurt because mm. 
the the pair of us we would hang out a lot and they would call her oreo and me uh-oh oreo because oh, yeah. they said she was black on the outside white on the inside and i was uh-huh. black on the inside white on the outside yep. and i so i reached out to her and i was like look i know that i was a part of this hurt yeah. and i yeah. cannot apologize enough for my ignorance yeah. for my just all the all the things she had no response at all. And I could just, and I know she saw it because it, it tells you, right. It tells you scene. And so I'm like, okay, how do we respond (laughs) when we get such different responses from people? Like how, how should we navigate the different experiences of our black brothers and sisters? Because they're not, everyone has the same experience, right? Yeah. How do we navigate that? Yeah. You know, um, you have to get, it's so funny. I, I'll get people that say all the time, well, am I supposed to say African-American? Am I supposed to say black? Because one black friend tells me I need to say black. The other black friend tells me I need to say African-American. Like, how do I, it's, it's just so different and I'm getting so yeah. frustrated and I don't know what to do. And I'm just going to give up because everything's so different. And I don't know if I need to say this or that. And I'm like, Hey, listen, if this is the depths of your frustration with the racial uh, injustice that's happening in, in, on the planet, um, then you need to swallow a little bit of pride and, and realize how good you've got it. Um, yeah. And that, that, that if you've got to, if you've got to do some extra work to figure out very specifically, because every black person has different experience in America. Like some, I'm a black guy that lives on a completely white street. There's one other black family that lives in my neighborhood, like out of like 150 houses, right? Like I have a different, most of my friends are white. I have a different experience than if you're to talk to a black guy that lives off of Rosa Parks Boulevard, uh, downtown Nashville, um, guess what? Our realities are different. So therefore, if you've got, you can't just like put a blanket, like black friend, um, you know, label on all of your relationships because it is going to be different and it is going to be important that everybody differentiates what is needed by you know, every single person, what is needed for me, for me, you know, my, my experience was that since, since I'm half black, my mom's from Mexico and my dad is a black Panamanian. Most people that grew up with me didn't ever look at the black side of me. They only looked at the Hispanic side of me. So they would Mm. feel very comfortable because my name's Carlos. They're like, Oh, you're not black. Well, I'm, I'm just as black as president Obama. I'm just as black as and you know the 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 fact that you have the opportunity to decide whether I'm black or not isn't the same opportunity I'm afforded on a daily basis when I walk into whatever gas station it's you know, 10 30 at night you know like yeah yeah I'm viewed as what I'm viewed as. and so like there's yeah. been a lot of there's been a lot of uh, a lot of my friends have told me that it's been it has been exhausting for them to like okay Carlos well it's different for you then it's different for my like conservative black friend over here that's telling me that racism isn't racism isn't a problem in America and racism, you know. And so I'm like, hey, just listen, like if 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 all you have are two black friends uh, and and one is telling you one thing and another is telling you another thing, guess what? You need more black friends. Like, yeah. like you, you've, you've got to go out and get more, um, be in relationship with more. And so I know that it's it's not easy. I know that it's um, probably confusing a lot of times. That's why I try on my socials to be a safe space where people can ask maybe questions that they're scared to ask somebody else because I don't necessarily I don't necessarily pre- present myself as like like an angry black guy. Um, mm-hmm. And there there I have a lot of friends that are angry angry black guys and they have every reason to be angry black guys. That's just not my DNA. That's not how I am. So I found that a lot of my white friends are able to come to me with probably. 
questions that I, they wouldn't be feel safe asking somebody else. And so, um, you know, do the yeah. work. Um, don't expect expect your black friends to be the, in charge of your education. I love that you, yeah. you know, that that you um, uh, signed up for that email list, that Black History Month email list, and you're getting that every single day. That's whenever I hear like a white friend say that, I'm like, gosh, that's one less video I have to make. I'm so grateful <laughs> for you for doing that, right? Because it's just <laughs> like, you know, because when I do make these videos, I do them on purpose because I'm trying to save trauma from another black, you know human that I don't know who it's going to be. It could be somebody's cousin that they were going to ask a question to that ended up watching my video and they get it now, you know? So anyway. Yeah. And they're great. I mean, I, I do think your videos are incredible resources. Um, but yeah, just like you said, it's like you, you, I guess how I view it is I don't want to rely on my black friends for, um, education. I want to rely on them for experience. Yeah, that's good. Like the education part is on me, but I can, I can learn their experience from them specifically. Um, and it's all different. Just like you're talking about, I mean, everyone's so different. That's why, man, I had one of my, I had someone reach out to me and just, it was a white person ream me for not posting about, uh, George Floyd and yeah. in her timeline, in her time frame, oh, you know, when, oh, when right, she yeah, wanted, yeah. when she expected me to post it. And I was like, um, sister, I've been on the phone. Yeah. There you go. I lead, exactly. I led a lot of students. Yeah. I've been on the phone with yeah. these, with these kids being like, yep. you are, you just entered into the a terrifying reality, yeah. more terrifying than ever. And from what it seemed because of um, how explosive it was. Right. Or maybe more freeing. I don't know. Maybe more freeing because they're, they can be like, no, you finally, finally you're seeing it. Yes. I don't know. Anyway. um, Okay. So how, and this is, um, can go both ways, right? How do you speak so confidently about these topics without fear of backlash? Yeah. And how do um, someone like me, how do I do the same? Yeah. So I love that question. I actually, right before I got on here, I posted a video that speaks, not a video, it was just like three slides on my Insta story that speaks to your exact question. Um, you know, I watched the Super Bowl and it was amazing. Like there were all these, you know, it's, it's crazy to see how far the NFL has come in the last few years. There's commercials, with like showing protests, Black Lives Matter protests, and there's commercials like NFL's like, we're standing against racism, we're standing against police brutality. And although like I'm I'm like grateful that the NFL is doing that, like I still I look at Colin Kaepernick and I think homeboy still doesn't have a job, right? Yeah. He was so so here's the deal. When you go first, when anybody goes first with anything, you are risking losing the most. So when he went first and he was like, you know, I'm just going to do this peacefully. I'm going to take a knee. What happened? Well, not only did he lose his job in the NFL, now he can't get one because every owner is scared that no one's going to buy tickets to, mm-hmm. to, to see, because so it's all money, right? So he lost the most, but also he affected the most, right? So like without mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, what we saw on all the Super Bowl commercials this weekend would never, ever have happened. So, You're right. So it, it's like, it's risky to be first because you have the opportunity to lose the most, but you have also the opportunity to affect the most. And so what, what I think people need to do is 
is to risk. You've got to risk. I say it this way. You got to risk in order to rescue. And what you're risking is a lot. And I'll let me go speak to my story. So it was, uh, gosh, I guess it was May of last year. And, and listen, like my platform at that point, uh, I had probably 35,000 Instagram followers and they all followed me because I'm like a family guy. They love, like, I talk about birds in my yard, like (laughs) the birds. I take you on vacation on my family trip. So everyone's like, what a great guy this is. They read my books about Jesus and I preach in their churches. And, you know, I'd say that, you know, 90% of my following was, um, white evangelical middle American women. That's like who just followed me. And then when the Ahmad Arbery shooting happened and then it was, so the, ha- it's, the shooting happened in March, it didn't become public till May. And then in May, I made a video on um, how my white friends can help their black brothers and sisters in this moment. Overnight, my followers went from 35,000 to like 26,000. Like I lost 9,000 wow. followers in a single night. And I remember waking up the next morning going, I've, I, I've ruined my career. Like, like I've, I've just alienated. And that, those are just the people that saw it overnight. Everyone else is going to unfollow me the rest of the day because people were not okay with me starting to speak out on issues of race and to speak it because they don't want, they, I don't see the color of your skin, Carlos. Well, again, I'm glad that you don't have, that you have that option to not see it, but that's not my reality. And that was the moment I realized that God had called me to, to risk in order yeah. to rescue. Yeah. And then what, what did I do? I made another video and I lost some more, but then I gained some. And then I started things, seeing things shift. And then more and more of my very conservative, um, you know, middle American followers were like, Carlos, like, I'm so grateful that you're having this, these conversations. Like, I'm really learning a lot. The amount of people that have DM'd me and told me that they have 100% completely shifted in their views of Black Lives Matter, or again, not the organization, but just kind of the movement and um, all of those things is mind blowing. And that started giving me some confidence. And then, so sure enough, I saw my follower count continue to begin to grow, begin to grow, uh, you know? And so like, this isn't about numbers, but it is about numbers for me because I've realized that in, you know, I've grown, I've grown now like 90,000 followers in the following nine months because I said, no, this is, this is what I feel called to do. This is what I feel led to do. I'm going to have these conversations about race in a way that's filled with grace. And mm-hmm. I didn't mean to rhyme, but I just, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, so I did that and I realized God's like, God actually showed me, no, this is what I've called you for such a time as, as this to have these conversations. And so the risk is there. The loss is real. The, there, there are people, I'm sad that there's people that, that are not on board this conversation, but mm-hmm. I promise you, if you're if you're risking to do the right thing, you know, uh, like Colin, Colin still doesn't, Kaepernick still doesn't have a job in the NFL, right? He's better than every single backup quarterback in the NFL right now. Like he is by far, he can throw farther, he's faster. He's, he took the, the Niners to the Super Bowl. Like he can, he should have a job. Everyone knows he should have a job. Yeah. But he, but he risked taking that knee. And now he's like blackballed. Now he's like, he's banned and he's canceled. He's canceled, but he sees the effect of, of his one. And, and I guarantee you that that that's, that fills him way more than throwing, you know, throwing a football ever will. And so, um, you know, that, that's what I would say to that is, is just know that um, it's risky. And I know it's risky. And I know that, that there's a large portion of people that don't want to hear anything about this stuff. 
Um, but if you, if you, if God lights something inside you, like you said, God lit something under your butt, you know, when he lights it, you got to go, you know, the, the worst thing yeah. you can do is ignore it. The worst thing you can do is, is be like, no, if there's something start researching, start studying, start speaking. Um, that's where change is going to happen. You know, protests can change policies, conversations change communities. And that's, we need more people having conversations. We need more people. I'm not talking about on social media. I'm talking about when you, you're at your grandpa's house and he says something about the N word, you know, guess what? Although grandpa may be 97 years old um, or 93 years old or however old he is, um, you get to say, hey, grandpa, like, I actually, it makes me uncomfortable when you say that because I've got a friend of mine that's black and he's, you know, that's offensive to him. So, you know, and guess what? Like that right there, it may not change your grandpa, but guess what? It's going to change you. And yeah. it's going to change you because you are risking something. Um, and that's what I need more of. That's what we need more of is people risking um, their platforms, risking, you know, the way they're viewed in their families um, to stand up for, for this change. We're going to, we're going to look back in 30, 40 years and people are going to look back and, and, you know, I, I think back to those pictures from the civil rights movement of, you know, people screaming that there, there's, you know, white people screaming in the faces, like angry uh, and uh, there was one photo of, of, I can't remember her name, but the little black girl that, that went into the white school for the first time. She's a little bit girl and there's all these people screaming at her. Mm-hmm. Well, there was, there's a woman that's in that photo screaming and she's, you know, she's probably in her eighties now. And with tears in her eyes, I was, I can't remember what it was on, but she got to find that little girl who's now in her forties or fifties maybe, and um, apologize to her. And she's like, I look back, I was on the wrong side of history. Like wow. but now I'm on the, now, now she went to like a black lives matter protest. I can't remember what it was. And now there's a picture where she's on the right side of history. So where are we going to be when you look back and you, we see, we don't need photographers following us around anymore. We see, we, we're plastering our own lineage all over social media. What are you going to see in 30 years? When you look back, what's, what side of the line are you on? So, yeah, that is good. Yeah. Hey, if you have enjoyed Wild Confidence Podcast so far, I have something even better. We have launched a Patreon where you can get bonus content, Enneagram extras, and exclusive live Q&As. Head to patreon.com forward slash wild confidence to join us and support the podcast so we can continue. I want to circle back to cancel culture Yeah, for a second, oh, yeah. quick second. Yeah, because I got lots of thoughts on that. It drives me nuts. Personally, because yep. there's no, it's not, I'm just like, where's the grace? Where's yeah. the, I mean, even on either side. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So personally, it drives me nuts because I don't think yeah. it's biblical. I think it's close-minded. Wow. I think it's pathetic. And I, I don't, but I also understand that people want to be heard so badly. And then whenever they don't feel heard or understood, they just shut down. So what are do you what are your thoughts on on this? Yeah, <laughs> hit me with the no, cancel I've got, culture I, thoughts. I've, I've got I've got cancel culture thoughts. Here's the deal: I um, cancel culture has become so vicious the last few years. You know, you see somebody finding out something that somebody said, you know, 12 years ago, and then right. and then their entire career is over overnight. Like they're they're fired from the network or they're canceled from their whatever, and then. They don't have to work anymore. And I just, I'm thinking to myself, like, who, especially if you're a, a Christ follower, if, especially if you have some premise of faith, that your faith is in something higher, which means that 
there's something else guiding you, not your, not even your own, you know, decisions or thought processes. Um, I just think to myself, if, if, if this cancel culture would have been around 12 years ago, when I was like the idiot who I was, I mean, I, Ainsley, I was, I was a mess, man. And I, I ruined all kinds of things in my life. And um, I would have been canceled. Like none of the good that is coming out of, out of me right now on social media or my books, none of that would have ever happened. Why? Because people would have canceled me. So I yeah. just think to myself, like, like every single person has value, especially like somebody that speaks out against the death penalty, somebody that like, you know, I'm not like anti-death penalty when it comes to just like people that are wrongly accused. I'm anti-death penalty for the person that did the most heinous thing. So like, like you can't, people are always like, well, how do you feel about the death penalty with this person? I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like I, I I'm, I'm all against it hundred percent. Because I believe that everybody has value and everybody has the potential to do good. And so when we cancel people, we're, we're literally um, taking away, not their opportunity, but I believe that we're taking away like, like humanity's opportunity to learn something that maybe, you know, um, they never would have learned had this person not found redemption, not found healing, not found all the things that I believe it's our responsibility to help them find. So Again, when I'm talking to people that follow me, and most of them are Christian, I tell them, "Listen, I know, I, I know that that. Um, oh, let me let me try to come up with a specific example. Um, oh, Trump. Let's just use Trump for instance, okay? Sure. Um, so sixty. I'm, I'm about 50, 50 okay, as close to fifty fifty as the followers as you can be. I used to be a lot more conservatives followed me. Obviously, the yeah. more outspoken I've been this last year, it's now about sixty percent the left, forty percent on the right. Um, so I get a lot of people, whenever I show any sort of grace towards, okay, so right now, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's a congresswoman um, out of, well, she grew up across the street from me. And so like, mm. I grew up like, like knowing her. And so I did a, did a little story about like, you know, hey, like I like to think of her when I knew her when she was younger, not now, because I know something probably happened to make her feel all these things. The mm. amount of like DMs I got from people going, no, like she needs a you know, she, we need to fire and she needs to never work a day in her life. And I'm like, like, who are we? What, what, when we start rooting for the demise of other people's lives, we have lost our way. And yeah. I feel like we have lost our way. Uh, uh, Morgan Walls, you know, in Nashville, just, you know, uh, has, he's had different issues in his life. I did a thing about cancel culture the other day with him. Yeah. Uh, Wallace or Wallen? What? Wallen. Wallen. Yeah. Wallen. So I, I, yeah. Yeah. Wallen. And so, you know, he made a mistake, but I'm like, you know what? Like get, we actually should be rooting for him. Like instead of like piling down on him, like, no, we actually need to be lifting him up right now. Like that's our job is to lift people up. And so that's the complete opposite of what we're seeing. You know, if somebody, if somebody calls themselves uh, a follower of Jesus. Okay. Um, and again, I don't know who, who listens to your show, but if, 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 if anyone is listening to this, that does call themselves that and in any way, shape or form is rooting for the cancellation of another human being, I'm just going to tell you, you're in the wrong. Like that is the opposite of what Jesus would be doing. Do, do our, our decisions have consequences? Absolutely. Like, absolutely. You know, I'm not, I'm not asking for people that, that are on death row to be let out of jail. I'm asking them to serve the rest of their lives in prison, life in prison. That means there's still a consequence for their heinous action yes. that they committed. But I, but but I'm not asking to cancel their lives, right? Well, 
it, and again, that's the extreme version, but we're, we're, we're doing this on a daily basis with people. So I hate it. I hate cancel culture. I think it's, it's the most unchristian thing anybody could ever do. And, yeah. um, you know, like, like for me, like I'm the kind of guy that, that hopes and wishes, you know, that I, I get to run into these people that have been canceled because I want to be the ones that uncancels them, you know, yeah. so that, that we need to be the uncancel culture. You know. <laughs> yes. Uncancel culture. That's, that's your next book. <laughs> that is. <laughs> I love that. And, and it, I'm immediately brought to the cross when Jesus looks to yes. the, the wrong, the convicted, the, the yeah. prisoner, the sinner and says tonight you will be, or today you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah. Yeah. That's uncancel culture. That's uncancel culture. Jesus was the uncancel culture king i mean he looked he didn't look at him and go tonight you will be burning in the pit of hell that's actually not what he said and that's what the dude deserved right yeah. that, that's like what he deserved but that's not what he did you know and so yeah. oh man i love that i actually hadn't thought about that i love that oh it just that's just the, the the picture that pops in my head like how can we how can yeah. we think ourselves so highly yeah to be able to take someone else's uh story path grow, I mean anything from them I don't know yeah. and, and that goes on all sides of the coin right it's not it's just everywhere all sides. yeah so as we're wrapping up which I literally could talk about this for 10 more years um and we'll just have two. to do another one yeah yeah <laughs> definitely part two how to uncancel culture how to uncancel culture I love it but okay so the title of this podcast is wild confidence and you have a book called enter wild duh we're we're like twins i mean wild world so it's about exchanging a mild and mundane faith for life with an uncontainable god what can you give yeah. us a little a little snippet of it yeah you know uh enter wild for me um i just i just have seen far too many christians become a christian and be on fire and be wild and then inevitably what happens is you go from wild to mild and then you live the rest of your Christian life here on planet earth as a mild Christian. Uh, and then, you know, situations like 2020 happens and we're really mild. We're like, Oh, you know what? Like, I just don't want, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to wait until I'm going to wait till this whole pandemic thing's over this, all these protests are over. And then I'm going to sneak my way back out and start, you know, doing what I do as a believer. And that's not what we were called to do. You know, we were the John 10, 10 doesn't say a thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to 60%. Like that, that's yeah. not what, what it says, but yeah. how many of us are living at 60%? Like it says life and have it to the full. And so like that fullness is available to us. So the, really the book takes people on three steps, uh, enter rest, enter war and enter wild. And it's, and it, you know, takes people from hopefully uh, this place where um, maybe they've lived in the land of sin management their entire life. And then what I hope to do is take them on a boat from the land of sin management and have them step onto the shores of the land of miracles, signs, and wonders, and realize that, that. Th there is this wild, wild faith that of, of miracles, signs, and wonders that's waiting for you, that's available for you uh, on a daily basis. You know, and I look at, I look at, you know, again, what we've been through with all of the racial reconciliation dialogue, with the, um, with COVID, with everything, and I just think like if there's ever been a time that Christians need to be wild it's right now. Like we need to be the ones in the front. We need to be the ones leading the charge. Um, so that's what the book's about. And uh, thanks for, yeah, thanks for asking about it. Oh, of course. And then you have something exciting happening early March. What's yes. happening? March 4th, I'm launching yes. my brand new podcast. And so 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm launching it. I'm, I'm launching it. And uh, I've got I've got some ideas for what it's going to be. But uh, actually, I can tell you the title. It's, it's called Human Hope with Carlos Whitaker. And, cool. you know, again, it's it's, it's just all about um, us having hope and how we're like in desperate need of hope. So I'm, I'm going to be looking for stories of hope. I asked my Instagram audience a couple of weeks ago, like when you finish like watching my Instagram or when you finish doing this, what, what do you feel? And everyone just said hope. And so I was like, mm. you know what? Then that's what that's wow. what I'm, I'm going to give them. And um, and so, yeah, so I'm going to find stories of hope. Some will be interviews. Some will be more stories. You know, I'll, I want to I want to interview like random like my my garbage man, you know, and ask yeah. him, uh, like, you know, about his life. And um, so, yeah, so I'm excited about it. But the podcast launching March 4th, make sure you uh, pay attention and I'm sure you'll yes. you'll help me get the word out. Um, 100%. Every story that you've alluded to when it comes to social media, I'm like, oh yeah, I saw that. Oh yeah, I saw that. Oh yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Which goes to show you how much I'm engaging with your content because it. It, it means that you go to the front of my stories yes, and, and on my good. feed everywhere. Um, so for everyone to be able to know whenever March 4th happens yeah. and find all these resources, where can we connect with you on social media? Yeah. Uh, Instagram is loswit, L-O-S-W-H-I-T. That's basically the only place I live. I, I do, I do Twitter, but I'm only on Twitter. If I'm like angry, it's like the alternate uh, ego of, of Instagram. <laughs> Carlos is Twitter. Carlos, Twitter. Carlos is like, he's feisty. He's like sarcastic, yeah, so but also, also Twitter. Carlos is where I live tweet uh, the bachelor episodes. So also oh my there's gosh. also there's that. And um, I'm a huge, I'm a, I'm a huge bachelor. <laughs> I have been for like 20 years. And so like ever since the very beginning yeah. and people are like, what? And I'm like, yeah. So, but Instagram is where you kind of hang out with me and you know, and you'll, you'll find out anything I'm doing. Cause I make sure to tell you a hundred times there. I love it. It's it's, I love your presence on social. So I'm actually, I haven't followed you on Twitter. So I'm, that's my next step, especially oh, there for you the bachelor okay. tea. <laughs> Last question. This is the question I ask all of um, our guests, because I, I believe that our guests do so much in pouring out. They take their time, they take their energy, and they do all of this for the benefit of others. So the best thing that we know how to bless you is to pray for you. So how can we yeah. as a wild confidence community pray for you? Yes. Um, pray that that very specific. This is a very specific answer for this. I don't know how okay. people are like, oh, just pray for my family, but I'm going to be very specific here. <laughs> okay. I'm getting some, I'm getting some pretty big opportunities in the outside of the faith world, like outside of the faith, faith space um, to, to do some things on, you know, with TV things and some other things that are, um, will be taking, you know, taking me into a different culture and space than I'm used to. And so just pray for the right, um, that I have make the right decisions saying yes or no to certain opportunities that are coming. And, uh, but I, I feel called to, you know, to have these conversations um, in in secular spaces. And I'm excited about it. And so you can be praying specifically for that. You got it. Yeah. You got it. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out today. I pray that you're able to see yourself how the Lord sees you. So you can hold your head a little higher and shine your confidence a little brighter. I would so appreciate if you would leave a review, subscribe and share this with a friend. And of course, I want to stay connected with you. Find me on Instagram at Ainsley B. And my website is AinsleyBritton.com. See y'all later.